you are listening to the Outer Hours podcast. Today's episode, we have a special guest on here by the name of Benji, who's a good friend of mine, currently a student in the world of photography. If you enjoy today's episode, please feel free to follow us over on Twitter at Outer Hours or Instagram at Outer.Hours. Benji, I thank you very much for uh, for joining me here today. As I mentioned in the intro, you're a, a good friend of mine for a couple of years now. Uh, met you through gaming, if I'm not mistaken. I hated you at first. Um, <laughs> you had very loud audio, and I was like, this guy's fucking annoying. Conveniently, our shared hate for the same server. Here we are now. Yeah, uh, I, yeah it was about two years. Uh, we've known each other, maybe three. It was, uh, I was coming back from South Carolina. I was in Dallas and my grandfather just died and I was just, you know, made a uh, server mod and I'm sitting in there and he like sent me a message like, hey, can you turn your fan down? I'm like, no, fuck you, dude. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, yeah, we thought you were like in a truck driving and we're like, what the fuck is going on? No, I was at, I was at a hotel and we just crashed for the night. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that was. God, right after the release of Destiny 2, I want to say. Uh, let me think, because I started playing in November. That was in April. It was April 17, I want to say. Down yeah. to the date. I mean, hey, when you're blessed with greatness, I suppose I'd remember <laughs> that date, too. Oh, God, whatever. It's been a living no. hell since I've known you. <laughs> now... Speaking of, because we've known each other for a couple of years now, at the time when I had first met you, you were not pursuing your current educational path. Is that correct? That is correct. I was working towards an engineering degree. Um, in that summer, I, I was in Trig 3, or Cal 3, sorry. And I'm sitting here losing sleep overnight about these fucking differentials. Losing my hair, and I... And I look at my wife and I'm like, Hey, um, I don't want to do this anymore. Like if I'm not enjoying the journey to get to where I'm going to be, what makes you think I'm going to enjoy, you know, the destination. And she's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I was looking through the programs offered at my school and it's like photography is the most bullshit program I can find, but I actually enjoy doing it. So, so you're, a, I entirely understand the whole train of if I'm not enjoying it now, why do you think I'm going to down the road? Um, if yeah, if the travel isn't fun, the destination is not going to be any better. Um, I completely agree with that. That's why I left one of my old jobs. It just wasn't if I'm not enjoying this now when I get more responsibility. Why do you think I'm going to like it more? Um, but when you when you chose photography, uh, obviously, as you just stated, it was sounds like the easiest degree. But did you like a pre like, were you already a big fan of photography, something you were interested in and just decided to go after that? Yeah. So I've, I've always enjoyed photography. Um, I was thinking about this the other night, actually, as I sat on the throne. Um, back when I was young, uh, maybe like five, five to ten, I would always spend like in a little bit of catch. I had like 20 bucks on a Polaroid camera, you know, like an I-600. Take pictures that way. Uh my first job ever, I worked at a Target. I think we all did. Um, and I worked at the electronics department, and I loved selling cameras. I knew everything about the film. And this is when 
Kodak was trying to get a head up on the game and they re- released this really groundbreaking film. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember. It's the Advantix film. And you could shoot in either a 4x3, 5x6, or a panoramic all on okay. the same roll using the same. But I got one of those, and that's really when it started taking off. I took that downrange with me. Um, yeah, and I had it all over Hawaii. had all sorts of different pictures, and it just kind of grew from there. But when I got out, it never really <clears throat> occurred to me that this could be a career. Uh, when I got out of the army, I was married at the time and my ex-wife was more focused about being wealthy or being sustainable. Right. And at the time I didn't have the disability that I had. So it was like, okay, I need to get something that's going to make me lots of money and make my family comfortable. So that's when I started the engineering track. Okay. And yeah, but now that I'm at a hundred percent, I wouldn't be doing photography because it's such a dead end job makes no money unless I had a hundred percent and my wife, my current wife is okay with that. And I am feeling 3000 times better than I did when I switched out of mechanical engineering into photography. I mean, having something you have interested in or have interest in going into it, I think definitely makes the whole experience more enjoyable because you're excited to learn about like the craft and the ins and outs of it. Um, going in, I mean, you said you had worked at Target and sold uh, cameras. You enjoyed that and you were would oftentimes be like a amateur photographer at a younger age. Um, now that you've you know pursued this path for a little while now, do you think that photography is easier or harder than your preconceived notion of it going in? Uh, I, w- I would say it's a little bit of both. Uh, with the onset of the stronger digital age that we're in now, uh, photography has become more accessible to every man. And it was always accessible when, you know, like, uh, the plastic film came out and all that stuff, but I'm not going to get into the history of photography, but it, be- <laughs> <laughs> it became a lot more accessible when digital cameras came out and it's easier than, you know, you buy a memory card, you can fill it up with a thousand pictures and go and, you know, just put them on a computer and fill it up again, as opposed to film where you had to buy your film, $7 roll, get it developed five bucks for that and check to see if you had good pictures. So (sighs) photography has become more accessible. And with platforms like Instagram, which don't need to get into that one, uh, um, it has become saturated. Now, also it's become on, on the same token, it's a lot more difficult, more challenging to come up with a unique idea for a series of photography or a series of photos. Um, for example, this last semester, my I did a couple different series. One was, uh, I remember showing you this, was the soap bubbles. And yes. That came to me just one night. It was like, oh, hey, let me do this. This is new. This is interesting. So I don't even know where I'm going. 
photography is a mix. I guess what I'm trying to say, it's mixed. It's easier, but it's also becoming increasingly difficult to differentiate yourself from everybody else. Um, Kind of just based off what you said between how now with like smartphones, you can take, you know, a thousand pictures unloaded or a memory card and then boom, you're good. Would you say at least based off of that information, I would feel like people like myself, the iPhoneographers, as I'll call myself, the Instagram hashtags, iPhone <laughs> photography, throw a filter on there. You know, I'm you hacks. freaking Chris <laughs> Brucard over here. Um, I think it, it takes a lot less effort for somebody to get lucky with a good shot because you can, you can just spam it so often versus someone if you have, you know, 15 shots in a row, you're going to put that consideration, that thought into the shots you're going to take. Right. And that's where the trained photographer comes in. Like, uh, you remember that picture you took of the, uh, the, the I guess, the lake. And, the know, sunrise in the winter. Right. Yeah. If and, you're only saying good things, then yes, I remember. If you're saying something <laughs> negative, unfortunately, I don't recall this picture. Well, you know, your composition was off and that's your your downfall as a uh, iPhoneographer is you don't know composition. You don't know your rule of thirds. You don't right. know what looks good, what, you know. You take a picture and you have a telephone pole in there and that's distracting. And that takes away from the fine art aspect of photography, but it doesn't take away from the photo in general. So if I, you know, you can still take great pictures as an iPhoneographer, but you, the composition, balance, like you don't really take the photo the iphone does all the work for you because nine times out of ten it's going to be on that uh auto settings and you don't know like uh how your aperture or your film speed or your shutter speed is going to affect your picture because it's all determined for you yeah i, th- I think the only setting within the iphone that i played around with is i don't even know what it would be called but the light setting where i let either like minimize the amount of light in to make a darker picture um, I find sometimes I get clear pictures that way, or if I that, let all the light in. It's your aperture, I think. It's okay. either aperture or white balance is what you're describing. But yeah, it's definitely not white balance. Um, I can say that for sure because the colors are still like vibrant that are there. It doesn't turn like oversaturated. That might not be white balance. I don't no, fucking know. <laughs> you plebe. No, so <laughs> white balance. So. Light is measured by temperature, and it goes from 3,200 Kelvin up to 5,600 Kelvin, and that changes the temperature of your picture. So if you're on the the cooler end, it's a cooler picture, and it's more white be the best, like a bluish-white light. And if you go on the other end, it's more – it's warmer – and that's where like incandescent bulbs and stuff are warmer. So when you look at your light, when you go to like Home Depot or something to buy a new LED light, it'll say like a color temperature of 3,400 or 5,800. That just, so like 5,800 is yellow light and 3,200 is white light. 
like daylight. So like those blue light glasses then just filter out a certain a certain temperature of light. No, that's more. Oh yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's not my specialty. I mean, yeah, it has nothing to do with photography. <laughs> just when you said blue light earlier, I was like, well, maybe he'll have well, an answer for this. It's a bluish light. Is the best way to Fair. put that. Um, now, just kind of just touching back on us iPhone photographers and Instagram all stars. Um, if if you were to see one thing change with all of us who use Instagram as our photo album, let's say one tip that you could give to us as far as something that who someone who is trained in photography that you think would benefit all of us tremendously. I would say don't be afraid to play with camera controls. Um, get off the auto setting. Learn how your aperture affects your depth of field. And that's, you know, what's in focus versus what's out of focus. Learn how film speed changes how long your shutter speed needs to be. So if you have a higher ISO setting, you need a lower shutter speed because your IS, you, your sensor is more sensitive to light. Um, and you should learn how those three things affect the picture. So if you can have, let's just say for shits and giggles, you're shooting at 6,400 ISO, you can shoot daytime 6,400 ISO, but it's yeah. going to be overexposed. But if you close your aperture down to like an F22 and slow and speed up your shutter speed to like one 250 thousandths of a second, then your picture will come out just fine. You know, right exposure. May, probably not, but that's just pulling numbers out of air. And conversely, if you were to uh, decrease your ISO down to like a 200, but you open up your aperture back up to like an F 5.6, your photo will still be the same as if you were shooting at that higher film speed. So those three things work together and affect your picture. So to take better pictures, mess around with those controls. I was unaware that my iPhone could even do that much. And when this is done, I will rewind this about 45 seconds to start taking some notes on that. Uh, also, mom, if you're listening, point and shoot doesn't just work as good as you think it does. It, right. Because to get the good picture, it's going to be noisy as hell. Yeah. Uh, now, as I kind of traverse through the Instagram world and YouTube world, obviously people know, you know, if you're on YouTube, you have like the the Peter McKinnons who me being ignorant to photography <laughs> I think he's the greatest photographer in the world, at least the most entertaining in my mind. Um, but one thing I have picked up on that there's different kinds of photography. Now, as I've spoken to you with this previously, the ones that I at least know of or am familiar with would be like um, wildlife, landscape, uh, action and like portrait photography. Would you say that inherently any one of those is objectively harder than the other? Um, I'll exclude wildlife because that's really just kind of patience and luck of the draw um, with that. I, you know, <clears throat> each form of photography has its own challenges. The big thing with portrait photography is lighting. 
and lighting is the biggest bitch in the whole world. Um, this is one of the main reasons why I don't do portrait photography because I, and the other ones, I can't stand people. Um, it's so, a valid reason. <laughs> the You have to find flattering light in I spent a whole semester studying this and I still don't understand it and I have to spend more time. So the light that works for you doesn't necessarily work for your girlfriend. Doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for your co-host. Doesn't like everybody's face is different. So I think portrait photography is the hardest photography and I severely admire those who can make it look easy. Um, Landscape, I would say, is probably the next hardest because it's always different. It's shifting, and it goes back to light. So if uh, you're shooting, you know, Yosemite, and uh, a cloud comes overhead, that changes your exposure. And typically when you're doing landscape photography, you're shooting at a high uh, aperture. So like anywhere from like F16 on up. Okay. And uh, it means you have longer exposures because you're not letting in as much light. So if I'm shooting like F22 at probably on a sunny day, one... 130th, 160th of a second. As soon as the sun dips behind that cloud in the middle of my exposure, it changes everything and it throws everything off. And the other hard thing is just finding a great location. It's not like you can just be driving down the highway and be like, oh, hey, look, that's a great spot. Let me pull over. No, you usually have to go two, three hours into the backwoods to to get that nice, pristine location. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. The other one was action that I had mentioned. Yeah, action photo, action photography is probably the easiest because uh, you're usually doing burst photography with that. Okay. So that's uh, my camera does 20 frames per second. So I can just hit it for like two seconds and then I got like 40 frames. And if you can't pull anything out of 40 frames... You probably shouldn't be doing action photography. Yeah, should put the camera down and just call it yeah, a day. Just, yeah, just go home and take Cal 3. <laughs> I think I'd rather be a bad photographer than have to take any sort of calculus <laughs> class in college. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, as like I said, for those of myself who know nothing, Peter McKinnon is, in my mind, a great photographer. I'm sure a lot of trained photographers may not share that same opinion. <laughs> Would you state or openly admit here on the internet and podcast of any well-known photographers who you don't think that their talent is why they're there, but their entertaining factor is? I'm giving you some safe ground. Like Peter McCannon is entertaining beyond belief. And I'm sure people like me, that's why we watch him. I give a shit about his pictures. I think he takes good ones, but I don't watch him for that. Thanks for throwing me behind the... (laughs) Verbal photography community bus. I really appreciate it. Um, your check absolutely. Is in the mail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna get shot for this. Um, 
I also think Anne Leibovitch is overrated, so you're good. You're going to get shot for that. Uh, I think she's a fantastic photographer. It's hard for to do what she did with a analog camera. But that's, you're, we're talking about who I think is overrated and who I don't like. Um, I don't like Ansel Adams. I appreciate what he did for the photography community. And, and I know he is like the godfather of modern photography and modern landscape photography. But for him being so popular in the 30s and the 40s, during the 50s, 60s, and 70s, everyone tried to recreate his work or his style of work, and it just became hackneyed for me. And I just, it's just like, oh, hey, yeah, look, it's Yosemite. There's the moon. Oh, hey, look, it's a great photo. It, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, I really like Yosemite pictures. So that kind of hurts. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of the national park photography. Oh no, I I love national park, and it's weird because I love landscape photography, and I love doing it, and I am emulating that shot, but it's just it feels like it's it's like doing wedding portrait photography. It's like. You have to do it, and this is what pays the bills before you can go out and do your experimental photography. So I'll put a disclaimer on this for all wedding photographers to avoid this section of the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's how you pay the bills, and you know, like it's just like I don't want to offend. You don't want to write that JavaScript, <laughs> but that JavaScript pays the bills. No, that's very true. I actually know a couple people who do wedding photography, so I'll be like, hey, maybe just don't listen to this episode. Maybe <laughs> maybe just skip over it. No, they'll, Might they'll, be. they'll probably agree. <laughs> Fair, yeah. I'd never really had like a, a career conversation with them about this. Maybe one day I'll get a couple on here and be like, so what got you into wedding photography? <laughs> <laughs> student loan debt, or this is how I do what I want to do. <laughs> I, hey, man, I feel the student loan debt. It is an... I've I've been paying them for 10 years and I swear I still owe more money now than I did when I took out. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it's it's just insane interest rates. Oh, dude, it's a scam. That being said, I'm looking forward to pulling out more <laughs> to go back to school. But this time I'm following your path and going something that I'm interested in, something that I want to do being wildlife conservation. As you know, I've gotten real into that. I'm not real into that. I've kind of shared my passion uh, of that as of late. Um, if anybody's my friend on any social media uh, through my private account, you'll see me pretty much share stuff nonstop on that. Uh, something I find very important uh, nature for me is a great way to kind of like relax and unwind. Uh, I do take my phone out and pretend to be you know, apparently in this case, Ansel Adams, I'm taking some great shots of trees and lakes you and shit. I think they're great shots, but. I, Look, I, I, if I'm I, my I, only judge, I'm a master <laughs> photographer. If I don't share it, nobody can tell me otherwise. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I want to try and keep, you know, nature as pristine as possible for those to come. I'm sure as someone who, you know, takes photos and photography of stuff outside going to parks like the Grand Canyon and taking all that stuff. Ideally, you would want that to stay pristine and not get overrun with the gross amount of litter that people are doing out there, destruction and impact that we have on it. Try and keep it as good as possible. I think that'd be safe to assume, correct? 
Oh yeah, for sure. And that's, that's part of the challenge with uh, landscape photography is you have to get to that point where, or a location where there's no people, no cars, no city, no air traffic. So you could take those photos. And unfortunately I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not up to the hiking, but I did order a nice four person marmot tent last night. So, Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Those are on the way. Uh, my Astro tracker I'll be ordering next week. So I'm going to be I mean, getting if, out there. If you want a real expensive hobby to add an addition to your career of photography, just get into ultralight camping and then you don't have to worry about the pack load you're bringing out because the heaviest thing will be your camera. No, no, I'm not doing ultralight. Um, I'm, I, I plan on going to like a trailhead and or a trail out in the desert, just take my car, put my tent out, wait for night, take my pictures, go from there. Where is your ideal photo location in the continental U.S. state? Uh, like an all expenses paid, you could go there for two weeks to take as much photographs as you want. First place you're going. Glacier. Glacier National Park. That's in Montana? Montana, yep. Okay. Is that uh, the one that's got the pictures of the lake everywhere that like reflects perfectly? I believe so. I just know sometimes during the summer you can catch the Aurora Borealis in there. Okay. Um, and it's just a great pristine location. It's like three hours either direction to like any major city or anything. And yeah, that's probably, that's the first place I would go. I've talked about it. The wife says, no, you're fucking stupid. I'm not going up there. We're not camping. So. Dude, I'll go camping with you. Oh, yeah. Cool, dude. We'll get a two-man tent and just snuggle up. We'll have separate tents. Thank you very much. Based (sighs) off the conversation I had with your wife the other day, she's already a giant fan of me. So we're good to go. (laughs) It'll be great. Um, Now. You mentioned it earlier, and I didn't really touch on it because I wanted to get through and have kind of an in-depth conversation on your photography. Um, now, you were previously in the military. Um, what, as someone who also enlisted when they were younger, what was your like driving cause to sign up for the red, white, and blue? Uh, they threw $20,000 at me. I Simple wish I would have got that, that offer. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, I... I um Made some choices. I didn't graduate high school on time. Uh, went back, got my diploma, and just walking through the recruiter's office one day and we'll pass it and like, hey, you look like you can use $20,000. I'm like, sure, why not? You look like you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it, this was before they offered like, what did they give you like a free Camaro or Charger now? Is that, is that how it goes? I'm pretty sure that's why they have those dealerships there. Yeah. Every private, <laughs> oh, we got great military pricing, nothing up front, but you're paying well, us for 30 years. <laughs> I, I remember like the first thing I always tell soldiers like, Hey, don't buy a car. Sure. Shit. The next week and they come back, they're like, Hey, Sergeant, I got a car. I'm like, what the fuck did I just tell you? And then they go out base like, Hey, Sarge, I, I met a girl and I'm getting married. I'm like, didn't I tell you not <laughs> to do this? <laughs> Would yeah, you yeah. now you were you were army, correct? That is correct. If you were to go back, um, kind of a, a double loaded question here. A, would you re-enlist again, knowing what you know now? 
And B, would you choose the same branch if you would? And if you wouldn't, what branch would you go to? Yes, I would re-enlist. No, I would not choose the same branch. I would go to the Navy. To the Hands Navy? Down. To the Navy. Um, Any particular reason? Oh, yeah. You get to actually travel the world. <laughs> um, that's, a va- that's a valid reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like in the Army, you're stuck with like a handful of bases. You can go. It's like you're either going to Korea or you're going to Hawaii or you're going to Germany or you're stuck in the United States. That's it. Uh, well, my recruiter, just so you know, was like, I can go anywhere that I want. Yeah, your recruiter's a line sack of shit. Oh, but as our previous discussions have shown with my career within the military, that is very true. Um, yeah. Things did not go well for me. Yeah. But yeah, a little. Oh, go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go, go, go. So, yeah, when I, I, you know, for those who don't know, I signed up, took the ASVAB. Of course, any score you get, they're going to be like, son of a bitch. This is the highest I've seen all year. Make you feel real good. Make you feel real good about the decision. Give that man no, I, a gold star. Uh, I went into the to the reserves when I enlisted. Uh, but they're like, you know, if you if you go active, you can write down a list of you know your five places you'd love to go to. We'll get you on there. Yeah, Fun fact: <laughs> for those who are not enlisted, that's a bold face fucking lie. Well, You'll go where they need you. Yeah, you're always needs of the army. So funny story about that. Um, I originally opted to go airborne out of uh, out of enlistment because I wanted to be close to home. And Fort Bragg, North Carolina was like five, six hours from New Jersey. But broke my leg on my third jump. And then, you know, I'm sitting there like, hey, you got orders. It's like, oh, cool. Where am I going? You're going to Hawaii. I'm like, fuck, yes, that's awesome. I'm going to Hawaii. And you're deploying. Wait, what? <laughs> It's like, yeah, so needs of the army will always supersede your dumbass needs. Oh, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so needs of the army. But for real, like Navy would be the best for option for anyone who's listening. Uh, you get the training you want. You get security clearances and you'll actually travel the world, not fake travel the world through the army, which is... Oh hey, you're going to Afghanistan, <laughs> but you're gonna go. You're gonna go to Maine first, then you're gonna go to Ireland, then you're going to Germany, then you're going to Turkey, then you're gonna go to Ukraine. And yeah, no. In the Navy, you'll go to different ports. You'll go to England. You'll go to Italy. You'll go to France, Germany. Like any, if you're an Atlantic fleet, that's where you go. If you're in the pack fleet, you'll go to Japan. You'll go to Hong Kong. You'll go to all those places: Australia, Thailand, Singapore. All the fun places. I feel like if I would ever re-enlist, because I had debated it a couple of years ago, actually. I was getting all my paperwork done, trying to get the waivers that I needed uh, for my medical stuff to go back. And I was dead set on going into the Air Force for it. I'm very happy that I didn't re-enlist. But that was where I wanted. Air Force is full of pretentious, lazy bricks you're telling me i wouldn't fit in you've known me for years i would run the air force if that's what they needed you would run the air force i mean these guys get like an extra six hundred dollars if they're stationed at anything that remotely says army because our standards of living are not up to par of the air force 
fuck you. You're our bastard stepchild. We cut you loose. Yeah, dude. He need those paratroopers to come in and provide some assistance. Also, oh, that's <laughs> that's so I'm a big fan of watching like YouTube special forces videos because I'm a lazy shithead. So I'm going to watch other people do extreme <laughs> shit I'm like this is phenomenal. I could totally do that in my mind. Uh, I was unaware of like the uh, like para rescue jumpers and shit from the Air Force and like the amount of yeah. stuff that they get into. Hats off to that, because if I would have joined the Air Force and got stuck in that shit, I'd have been like, this is not what I was told. <laughs> Where is my steak? Where is my hotel room? <laughs> this isn't OK. Yeah, I, I had a friend. He went through para rescue training and his training took like 18 months and it's the worst place because you're in san antonio but you know after you go graduate lackland you go across the street to i I think it's like medina air force base and it's just like this podunk little place and it's the worst fucking experience ever um i had a friend a classmate he washed out i forget forget, he got injured in pararescue and he got recycled and he's like nope i'll never do that shit again (laughs) they uh a lot of the kids when i was in basic were going through uh either in the midst of being recycled because they had gotten injured um and they chose not to go home uh which is a weird thing for me to understand if i got like six weeks through the eight week basic training and they're like hey you're gonna have to start from the beginning because you broke your leg or something like that during this i'm like nah i'm good send me home no thank you to start from the, the beginning it's just re- I mean, you're still getting paid who cares true i suppose a lot of those people are also active duty so this was like their career path that they were yeah and in the long run like the grand scheme really what six weeks uh, for me, I was gone for about two months and it felt I aged probably like 16 years when I was there. <laughs> I little dude, literally when I got home, I went for a walk and I was like, I'll never take this for granted. And the next day I was like, I'm not going outside. Fuck this. I'm going to play my Xbox. <laughs> I, um, I did one station unit training, which means you do basic and then uh, AIT at the same unit. Yeah. And it's like 16 horrendous fucking weeks. So it was four months. It stretched from July to October. And I was in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And if anyone who's listening knows where that is, you know, it's artillery. And I loved my job. My job was the greatest job in the world. I, people were like, oh, yeah, you're in the army. What do you do? I blow shit up for a living. What? Yeah, I'm artillery. <laughs> <laughs> I... I send a hundred pounds of TNT 30 miles that way and blow shit shit up. But the OSA was the worst thing in my life. Like, so I was there, like I said, July to October and it's like hotter than fucking devil ball sweat. Yeah. There. And you're carrying all this shit around. And this was still considered golden age because it's before, you know, kind of gentler army where it was like, uh, I didn't sleep for two weeks and maybe got to shower a total of five minutes for the first three weeks. Cause you remember they come in, they're like shower. You got 30 seconds and like five, two, one, get out. Yep. <laughs> and 
couldn't do anything. Like for the first week and a half, you leave the bay and your shit's all over the place when you come back. But you know, it was it was great because at the end of that initial ten week period or well, eight weeks, your drill sergeants aren't your babysitters anymore, and they kind of relax and you get to go do shit. And but yeah, like OSIT sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I went to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky in the middle of July when I left. And I'm from like the northern Midwest, so I'm not familiar with fucking, yeah, devil's anus, devil's balls heat. Um, <laughs> and humidity. And yeah, dude, it was awful. I remember the day that we got there. Uh, we got we landed into Kentucky probably at like maybe one or two o'clock in the morning. We got two uh the base at like three so between three and four they like they had us do all that entry paperwork uh you know the hey if you have any medical conditions come up and tell us now you're fine by the time it was maybe 4 15 we had just finished how like getting our bunk set up I'm like all right go to all sleep right. and then within five five minutes they're ringing the bells to wake the fuck up <laughs> and like you have two minutes to get in a uniform and get down here oh, fuck <laughs> i remember f- in your uniform was those uh we called them the marshmallows because yeah the the gray sweats so i didn't have them this first day because we got in so late okay. but yeah uh we got them our, like everything after that i think the only thing i kept when i left was the um the thermals that they gave you Really? Yeah. They made you. I kept it. Well, well I could. I, I could have kept everything years, when I left. Um, they gave me the option to keep everything, but like, what am I gonna do with an army uniform? Well, I mean, it's clothes. Like PT clothes were. Well, my PT clothes were comfortable because I had like this one shirt that I had since basic training that just went through the washer a billion fucking times, and it was just like that soft cotton. Yeah. That. Yeah, you Fair. know what I'm talking about. The, uh, the shorts were nice. I will give them that. I did pick up a pair at a Navy sur- or a Army surplus store of the things. <laughs> and then I scratched off the Army on the left pant leg. So it didn't say it anymore. But those, dude, I'm, I miss the uh, the windbreakers. I never had to wear one. The, oh, you're lucky. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I will give the military that. Their PT gear is pretty fucking good. Yeah, I, I looked at it recently and uh, I'm just like, the fuck is this shit? I remember I think it's like yellow now. They change a lot of the stuff because it, it's been 10 years since I was there. Uh, even longer for you. Yeah, I got out 2008 into 2009, like December 24th, 2008 is my exact day I got out. Okay, so yeah, I enlisted no, yeah. in 2009. I was, or I started meeting with a recruiter in 2009 because I was 17 uh, at that point. Just a baby. And it was in the summer and I turned 18 in September. So I had to have my, like, my parents present for everything. And my grandfather, who I lived with and raised me, was uh, former Air Force military police. So he was like super excited that I was going in and, and loved it. But I remember them having like conversations and shit. And then when I turned 18, all of a sudden that recruiter didn't care what my parents had to say anymore. And was like, was like, no, nope, yeah, you 18, yeah. sign here, motherfucker. I think I legitimately think two days after my 18th birthday, I went and signed. And then I went to uh, 
it's like a, a, a future soldiers program is what they called it. So because I was reserves, I would go and meet with my reserve unit at the yeah, and we would do yeah, PT yeah. like three times a week there. Uh man, whew, they it's a whole different picture from what they want you to see to what it is. And what it actually, yeah, yeah, so, man. Uh, there, there's there was a joke going around um, when Space Force was announced. And uh, the expectations was that scene from Starship Troopers where they're all lined up. <laughs> but reality was just a dude in a PT uniform with a f- fucking safety belt on raking moon rocks. <laughs> I forgot Space Force was a thing. Maybe if I have a re-enlist, I'll do that. No, I don't do it, dude. <laughs> I mean, A, I don't think I'm allowed to re-enlist because... So when I went through that process of trying to get my medical waivers, the recruiters were like, well, you need a doctor to get the waiver. They're like, okay, not a problem. Call the doctor. Well, you need a recruiter to request it. I was like, well, now we're just playing phone tag with which one of you are going to step up and give it to me. So I can safely say for those of you who had asthma as a kid, just get the waiver before you do anything. If you're going to enlist, it'll save you a lifetime of headaches. Uh, it is just so, so worth it. Or if you have it and you go in and you don't disclose it when you're enlisted because your recruiter lied to you and told you to hide it. That first day when you get there and they say, hey, do you have any medical conditions? Say it. Fuck your it. mouth shut. Uh-uh, say it then because they are way better with it than if you're doing laundry and that bag hits you and it knocks the wind out of you. <laughs> and you think you're having an asthma attack and you go, I need albuterol. The first thing they're going to say is, why would you think you need that? What's up, Prop? Why do you need that? <laughs> <And> <laughs> How do you know what that is? And it doesn't matter if you're like me and you went 14 years without an attack and pass all their asthma tests. If you don't get that waiver, <laughs> they don't care. Yep. Just get it. Just get it. Save yeah. you a lifetime. It's easy, I'm sure, prior to going in. But man, that was a stressful fucking time of my life. They were, it, you know, basic training was stressful. But it it wasn't like stressful bad. It was stressful like, yeah, if I fuck up, these dudes are gonna beat me with soap tonight. <laughs> stressful. Thankfully I went into what we'll call the PG thirteen army. Uh where it was a, <laughs> a little more relaxed. Like I'm assuming now they still like verbally degrade you. At least I hope so. They, well, they're not allowed to knife hand you anymore. They're not allowed to call you stuff like fuck stick, fuck wad, sperm stain, cum stain, uh, load that should have been swallowed. Literally, I, I, yeah, I was called <laughs> fuck stick, fuck stain, a waste of human flesh. Uh, the army would have been better off if I wasn't born. Uh, things <laughs> like, yeah, obviously it's not good to hear, but their goal is to wear you down and then build you up. Yeah. And if they can't wear you down, then I feel, unfortunately, it's not going to be as effective. But I don't know. I'm speaking on my ass. Or stuff like, goddamn, I wish I would have met your mom. I would have forced her to swallow that load. (laughs) I should write that down (laughs) for my next Call of Duty lobby. That'd be great. You you really dodged the coat hanger, didn't you? Yeah, they were brutal, man. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was even worse because my drill sergeant was also from New Jersey. And so he singled me out a lot. Man, try having the last name Champion in the military. First of all, they never forget you. Forget. What about Presley? Who do you think you are? You think you Elvis or something? Oh, yeah. No, that's that's valid. Yeah. First day I went in, um, they just 
automatically champion for fuck fucking anything that was who i got i got called on for anything ironically the captain who was in the same barracks as me uh was named captain keys for those of you who play halo fun little little easter egg for you little little tidbit yeah yeah like coming back that whole process with the military because i got to keep my phone um don't talk to me within like i didn't have it the entire time but once i started getting discharged they just gave me my shit and like you're going to hhc we don't fucking care about you anymore uh that's when i discovered a my love for uh, like audiobooks but b how relaxing and de-stressing music is oh yeah we we didn't have that so the only we got the radio sundays when you know it was a stand down day but not really so sundays we pulled all the bunks to one side of the barracks and then we would wax the floor one side let it dry push the bunks to the other side wax the floor the other side and come back and it was just still a like a stressful day because don't fuck up the floor you know whatever and that's when i became religious for those 16 weeks <laughs> <laughs> it got me out of the barracks and they gave us uh cookies and fruit juice at the church god services. is great god is good so all of a sudden, I was holier than thou for 16 weeks, man. I'm a born-again Christian Sarge. I can't be here. <laughs> My true Lord needs only, me. Our, our drill sergeant won't bring this Sunday paper. And nothing's funnier than seeing a group of, what, like 40-something grown-ass men lusting over the Best Buy or, like, spending 10 minutes in the bathroom with the fucking Sears section. Hey man, whew. those undie photos come up, does some wonders. That's all, that's all you got. Beat that soft noodle. Absolutely. Uh, I will say the funniest thing in my basic training that happened was we had this one can't get right. His name was uh, Peterson. This dude just really could not fucking get right. Fucking stunk the high hell and whatever. And he was getting into it with another dude. And all of a sudden, you know, it just happened. We're just like, all right, fucking latrine formation. Let's go. And it's a fight in the bathroom. So we got this other dude who's like fucking 6'6", 250 pounds from Philly. We called him cheesesteak. <laughs> and so. Understandably so. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Peterson and this other dude were fighting and cheesesteak is in one of the latrine stalls standing on the toilet, jumping up and down and he breaks that. Oh no. <laughs> so we're like, Oh fuck. Drill Sergeant's going to fucking murder us. So we clean it up, you know, and we tell the drill Sergeant and they're like, but what we tell him is cheesesteak was standing on top of it, trying to clean the ceiling and it fucking broke. And he fucking bought it. I don't know why, but he bought it. And it was the dumbest fucking excuse I have ever heard in my life. To be fair, though, 
if I was in basic making sure things were spotless, you bet your ass I'd be wiping down the ceiling. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we did. We we did. But why wouldn't we just send one of our smaller five to fucking 110 pounds soaking wet guys to do it? No, we're going to send big ass fucking cheese. Cheese steak, steak can reach it. <laughs> he doesn't have to jump up and down on it to break it. It's the ideal yeah. excuse. All that drill sergeant's fucking idiot, but props on that. Yeah, I, I yeah, because we would have been rolling in the mud for four years. I, I never would have graduated <laughs> basic training. If you found out. Now, now that your military career is, you know, the the end has come and gone. About a decade now, a little bit over. Um, aside from collecting uh, the like checks that you do so from the military, is there like any other way that you immediately stands out to you of how your past experience with the military has affected your life on a day-to-day basis? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I hate repeating myself. What? Um, yeah, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> you almost got me too. Um, so if I, if I tell somebody something one time, if you come back to me or it's not done, I am going to lose my shit. Uh, I had a classmate uh, this semester. Fuck that dude. Um, He was just inconsiderate of other people. Um, He was one of those people like, well, yeah, you're going to hear my opinion whether you like to or not, but fuck your opinion because it doesn't mean anything because it's not mine. And I have told this dude many times like, hey, get away from me. Get away from me. Like, just get away from me or, like, shouldn't say that. You know, it's college. We have to be respectful of everyone's opinion. You may not have to agree with it, but you have to be respectful of it. And he just wasn't. So, finally, just one day, I just snapped on him. Like, dude, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Don't talk to me for the rest of the semester. I remember you telling me this. (laughs) Yes. And I ignored him for the rest of the semester and he would be asking me something about my project. And then my friend, she would just ask the same question. I would totally ignore him, but answer her right away. You're so So. petty. (laughs) That is incredible. Yeah. It took a lot of willpower, but yeah, like I hate repeating myself. I expect things to be done in a timely fashion. I hate liars. I hate people do not show up for things on time and ill-prepared and talk over other people who are given instructions. So yeah, that, that is definitely it's a list of over. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a, well, I mean, no, go ahead. M- my biggest takeaway from, you know, my, my short stint of service is, uh, I can't stand like if I explain how to do something and then you just don't do it that way. Yeah. Why, why ask for assistance if you're not going to pay attention? Right. Oh, God, I almost had an aneurysm uh, one day. I had just, like, in the morning, I'd given a class to the, the whole battery, well, the privates in the battery, about how to properly dispatch a vehicle, right? It's like, this is what you need to do. You need this documentation. You need to take it here, do this, do that, and that. And so we were getting ready to go out to the field on Monday and the vehicles had to be dispatched on Friday because, you know, we, you know, SP at like zero four and my soldier 
my soldier just doesn't fucking get it right. And I'm like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? I just went over everything. Just like, uh, like, why didn't you pay attention? I don't know, Sergeant. Like, dude, I'm going to fucking put my foot up your fucking ass. (laughs) And then, (laughs) like, it got so bad. Like, I was so mad at this dude because, A, I had a date with this hot fucking Colombian downtown. And, yeah, and I was going to be late because this fucking jackass couldn't pull his head out of his ass long enough to get the vehicle dispatched that I just told him how to do it four hours earlier. Yeah, that would drive me up a while. I I hate that shit. Understandably so. I think based off this conversation, at least the second portion here, uh, the only you just you lost like a a, not a long temper. You have a a short temper. Yeah, I used to have a, a big. Yeah, yeah. Real short fuse. It's short fuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot for me now. Uh, Like, even my mom has noticed a difference. Like, oh, here comes my cat. Even my mom has noticed a difference where it's like, yeah, you've really chilled out a lot. I'm like, yeah, I just, I realized I don't have to get mad at everything. And it's just like, there's some things that are out of my control that I just, I don't have to worry about. Like, yeah, there's only fifty dollars in the bank. Why am I going to worry about paying the cable bill? That's one hundred and eighty dollars. If I don't have the extra one hundred thirty dollars, just yeah, I just else that shit now. Let it go. Yeah, I would say that you definitely are very good at not getting or losing it super fast. I spent a fair amount of time just antagonizing you on the internet throughout our, our <laughs> gaming times, and I think maybe only once I've heard you like raise your voice and it was really just be like dylan shut the fuck up <laughs> which isn't even like bad at all but then i've seen you losing other people and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> sucks <to be> you. <laughs> fucking losers but benji i thank you very much for uh for joining me here today it's been enjoyable uh i, I enjoyed this way more than i thought i would it's a nice step away from the kind of traditional one that i have a little bit more more focused on the guest so thank you very much for for joining here oh no problem dude thanks for having me on and i'll whenever you want me back you know how to find me i will I'll definitely have you back on here and if you want to give a shout out to any of your socials that you use for like your photography or anything please feel free to do it i'll add it in the show notes as well sure um i'm on instagram it's at ben pie photos that's it there we go at Ben Pie Photos, everybody. So, Mom, I know you're listening. Go ahead and give him a a free follow there; it'll be greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for for listening to today's episode. Greatly appreciate it, and we'll uh, catch you next time. <laughs>